join me in prayer. All right. Gracious God, thank you. Thank you. You do save. You do redeem. We just celebrated your grace. Yes. And we know your grace is coming in now through your word. Yes. Because it's a way that you give us grace that, man, we need it. Yes. So would you speak to me, speak to us, speak to all the hearts gathered here. As you speak to us, make us ready. Because we can't stay here all week. we got to go out. we got to be out in the communities that you've called us to. Make us ready, even now, to take these words, take your words, and apply them. And bring people into that fellowship and understanding of grace that we have just so celebrated. Lord, use this time. Help me get out of the way and you get right in the middle. Yes. We ask in Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all for the warm welcome. It is always so good to be here with one church family. Amen. Amen. We, got Bethany, we got paradise together. We won. Yes, sir. We've said this before and we'll keep saying it again. Jesus unites with the world divides. Yes, sir. Amen. Say it with me, church. Jesus unites with the world divides. You hear nothing else? That's why you're here. You thought you were coming to church this morning, but no, you were coming to show the world that Jesus unites with the world divides. Amen. He is bringing us together. I'm thankful for two years of friendship with Pastor Kindred and so many others here. Isn't he a great man? This is a great man back here. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you very much. I want to begin our time together by talking about the law. And I see a couple lawyers in here, there may be a couple police officers in here. We're talking about the law, because that's what Romans 7 is all about. When you hear the word the law, you probably got something you think of, people need to take off. Like, I don't want to hear about the law. This is a major theme in the book of Romans. Romans 7 is all about it. We're talking about that this morning. When you hear the law, what do you think of? Now, maybe you think of something where you go, actually, I do not want to think about that right now. There was a bad chapter in my life, and the law was not good to me. Maybe you are a police officer and it is an important part of your job to know and apply the law to take care of your community. Uh-huh. If you're a citizen, if you're just a normal person, you think about the law when you drive by school zone, don't you? You go, I better slow down. That flash of light means I'm going to get a ticket. Like, watch out. You care about the law when it brings a penalty. You care about the law when it's costly. In the Old Testament, the law, capital L law was a whole bunch of important things for the people of Israel to pay attention to. It made them different. It made them a set-apart people. Are we not a set-apart people, church? Not because we're better, but we got something that other people might not know about. And that is that we are called to worship God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. There are whole centuries of history built around those simple ideas. We get to continue in that, church. That is part of our privilege. But the law... The law that the people of Israel would have understood, it was tied to one very, very, very important thing that many of us don't have anything to do with anymore. The capital L law was all about sacrifice. You say that with me? Sacrifice. That's what we learn about when we look back at the Old Testament. It doesn't mean those laws didn't matter. It meant there was one way, if you broke the law, there was one way to get right with God. One way. And it was through sacrifice. The Old, Old Testament scriptures tell us blood needs to be spilled to get right with God. But people cared about that. Right. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you care about that too. But you know mm-hmm. that sacrifice has changed, hasn't it? Yeah. It's still there. Mm-hmm. It still needed to happen. Mm-hmm. Because people broke away from God. Because people said, no thank you. I got this. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Like when you're trying to drive when you're 15, you're not good. <laughs> but you need to be good. <laughs> Remember when Jesus is in the temple, he turns over the tables, he flings the things yeah, aside. Yeah, What's he yeah, turning over? Yeah, yeah. He's turning over the money changers, yeah. and he's turning over people who are selling what? Yeah. Doves. Yeah. Little animals. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Not a pet store. 
He was going to turn over this system that said, you need to do this first, and then you'll be right with God. Mm-hmm. Sacrifice always demands that there's something else we've got to do. Amen. Anybody tired of saying there's something else i got to do? <laughs> like, my house, man, we got three little kids. Like, there's always something else i got to do. Those dishes ain't cleaning themselves. Those diapers ain't getting changed on their own. There's always something we got to do. Sacrifice is exhausting. It tears us down. God knows this. He is not unaware of this. Sacrifice means there's always something left to be done. And what the Bible tells us is, when we try to enter into that, when we try to just use that as our way to get to God, mm-hmm. it ain't going to take us far enough. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I want you all to hear this morning. The law will never take you and me far enough. Because it's not going to touch our hearts. Amen. It's not. It's going to change my behavior when I see a school, school zone speed limit sign, right? It's going to change my behavior when I see flashing lights behind me. It is not going to change my heart. Mm. Only grace changes the heart, which is why I so love that we sang about grace so much this morning. Because we needed to change our hearts. Brothers over here standing up, you've been sick, you've been hurting, and here you are with your whole body singing out praises. Thank you. Thank you for inspiring us through the way that your heart is touched by that. We need grace. We might need the law to see grace. That's why we don't throw away the law. Remember what did Jesus say? He said, I have not come to abolish the law, That's right. but to fulfill it. That's right. We're not talking about throwing it away. We're talking about the law doesn't take us far enough. Mm. Now, if you want to connect this to yourself personally, think about something that you do, something that you've told yourself, this is what I do because I'm a good person. Mm. This is what I do because I'm a good churchgoer. Maybe it's singing. Maybe it's giving. These are all good things, right? Amen? We need to be singing. We need to be giving. But what are the things that we have turned into laws for ourselves? The picture I have in my mind is when you drive by a building that's under construction, you see some scaffolding out there. You know what I'm talking about? Scaffolding gets you only so far. It's not going to fix you. It's not going to get you into the presence of God. Scaffolding is what we use to try to get ourselves somewhere. Are we using something, church, that's a law to ourselves to try to drive us towards something, and really all we need is God's grace? What are we trying to make? What are we trying to fashion for ourselves? It's going to look different. It might look different in Rainier than it does up where we live on the east side. It don't matter. It's scaffolding. It's trying to get us into the presence of God. What version of the law are you living under? Let me tell you a story. When I first got married, and this is not throwing dirt on her, but my grandmother said to me, hey, let me give you a little bit of advice for your marriage. You know where this is going. (laughs) Grandma says to me, hey, number one thing you need to have to have a happy marriage, I'm not kidding you, don't ever fight. Don't ever fight. If you have a pulse, is that possible? (laughs) Really? I love my grandma. I'm not throwing dirt on her. You come to a memorial service that I do, we're going to talk about the size of you where we go, what? And the size of you where we go, okay, that's good. She was a wonderful woman. That marriage advice was a law, was it not? What was the law? Don't fight. Don't get in trouble. How do you change? You change when you fight. You change when your spouse says to you, are you seeing this? This is you. Do you see what you look like right now? And you go, no, I don't want to look at that. That's fighting, but that's growing. That's changing. My grandmother's advice to me was a law that was going to get me nowhere. Nowhere, church. Because if I avoided fighting all these years, I would be a shadow and a shell of who I am. And that's not what God wants for any of us. What version of the law are you living under? Is it don't fight? Is it, don't you miss church or else you're a terrible person? 
Is it make sure you vote a certain way? I know we just had an election. Maybe you learned that if you only voted with this one particular way of viewing the world, that's what makes you a good person. What's the version of the law that you're living under? Because the scriptures today are really going to tear this down for us. And I am so excited for us to look at this. So turn with me to Romans chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 1. We're only going to touch on a couple of verses today. But look at Romans 7 with me. 7 and 1. Who's got it? Say amen. Amen. All right. I like it. Romans 7 and 1. Here it is. Do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only during that person's lifetime. Hey, church, check your pulse. Everybody check your pulse right now. Feel it. You feel that? Yeah. You under the law. Because you're not dead. The law applies to you if you are alive. Are you alive, church? The law applies to you. Paul is saying in this moment, he's talking to a church in Rome, a bunch of Gentiles and a bunch of people from a Jewish background that would have understand the Old Testament law, would have understood Moses, would have un- understood those scriptures. There is a limit to what the law can do in your life and in mine. And Paul's saying here, the law, these Old Testament things, they will affect you as much as you, as you are able to have them affect you in your lifetime. But there's more to it than that, isn't there? There's more for us to go and do and be after this life is done. There are strict limitations on the life that we can live into now. The law can only bring so much. The law doesn't take us far enough, church. How many of you ever heard that phrase, God helps those who help themselves? Where is that in the Bible? Anybody want to tell me where that is? You know why? It's not in the Bible. You know who made that up? Benjamin Franklin. One of the founding fathers of our country. He just coined that phrase. You know how many people think that's in the Bible? A lot. A lot of people. And that becomes a law, doesn't it? God helps those who help themselves. I'm going to get me this car. I'm going to get me this nice meal. I'm going to do what I want to do. Why? Because God helps those who help themselves. Is that a good law? No. Because it's not grounded in the truth. It's not grounded in the truth. Truth is, we got a pulse right now. Tomorrow we might not. We might not. The strict limitations of the law will come and they will find us. And our hope is not in keeping the law. Our hope is not hitting all the targets. It's not making all the right marks. Listen to this translation of Romans 7 for Brother read it earlier, but I want to read it for us in a different translation. It says this, The death of Christ on the cross has made you dead to the claims of the law. What did it make you? Dead. Dead to the claims of the law. What is that? What are the claims of the law? It's highlighting one of the biggest problems that we face. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. When we try to live by the law and the law alone, we miss out on transformation. The text says the claims of the law. Go back just a few chapters in Romans. Romans 3.23. Anybody know it off the top of their head? Oh, yeah. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is the penalty of the law. Everybody has tried to roll up. Everybody's tried to make it through this on their own. It's not working. How's that going for you? How's keeping the law? How's making sure things work out like you think they should work out? Is it stressful? Is it painful? Does it separate you from other people? Yeah, it does. It's hard to try to live perfectly. And that's not what the text is calling us to. The text is telling us, through Jesus Christ, we have died to the claims of the law. You're dead. It doesn't apply to you anymore. That means you are free by grace. Does that mean you ignore the law? No, we'll talk about that in a little while. But that means that everybody, everybody has an opportunity 
to look at the one who actually can make us right because the law is not going to do it for us. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can't fix it. You can't fix it. Okay, now this one might be a little harder. Turn to your neighbor and say, I can't fix it. I can't fix it. Whatever it is, put in that spot how you're trying to use the law. Whatever your law is to get you right. The law would say to us, under the law of Moses in the Old Testament, when you sin, when you break a rule, when you drive 30 and a 25, you need to go do something. What do you got to go do? Sacrifice. According to the text, that's dead. We are dead to those claims anymore. Why? Because of the cross. Because there is one sacrifice for all and forever that took care of it. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. Don't you think that covers this? Don't you think all the problems that we might have with the law and trying to keep our rules, and I'm trying not to fight, right? I'm listening to what my grandmother said. Don't ever fight, don't ever fight, don't ever fight. Oh, I just had a fight. Where am I going to go with that? I'm going to feel terrible. I'm not going to be as well engaged in my marriage. I'm going to be a mess unless... My grace is sufficient for you. Yeah. Because power is made perfect in weakness. Mm-hmm. Romans 5. We studied this a few weeks ago. One of my favorite passages in all the scriptures in Romans 5. Mm-hmm. The gift is not like the trespass. We talked about this at our church. The gift is not like the trespass. The gift of God. What he gives to us in Jesus Christ. If you compare it, you put it on a scale next to the weight of your sin and your pain and your brokenness, it doesn't even compare. Not even in the same ballpark. The word we used is vastly. The gift is vastly superior to anything that you will ever be able to accomplish through your law or my law. How superior is it, church? Vastly. Say it with me. How superior is it? Vastly. The gift of Jesus Christ doesn't even begin to compare. This is how it lands in our lives. We are sinners, we are broken, and the law would let that be the final word. Are we going to let that be the final word, church? Do you want to let that be the final word? I don't. Maybe my son does. You're just kidding around, aren't you? He's still the kid. We must be a people of grace, not the people of the law. But the law still matters. And Jesus even said the law still matters. Turn with me, church, to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. When somebody gets there, say amen. I like that. I'm going to start using that. When somebody gets there, say amen. You've got to keep us awake. There we go. Matthew 22, starting in verse 34. Listen to this. When the Pharisees heard that he, Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, of course it's a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Uh-huh. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Uh-huh. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, come on church, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the sequel, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all of the law, not some of the law, all of the law and the prophets. What does that mean? What's Jesus doing? The lawyer comes up to him and says, Jesus, what's the point? Why are you doing all this stuff? Like, what's going on? What is the point of your religion, of your laws and your rules? If somebody walked up to you on the street right out here on Henderson and said, Hey, what's the point? Why are you here? Why did you show up this morning? What would you say? Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength, which would have been, which was a quotation from Deuteronomy that all the people connected to the nation of Israel would have memorized 
in their youth. This is the Shema. This is love the Lord your God. This is what those families and those generations were built around. But he doesn't stop. Why? Because the law doesn't go far enough. The law doesn't go far enough. He has a second point. There's a sequel. Love your neighbor as yourself. How's your neighborhood, church? How are the people on your block? How are the people on your street? I love showing up here this morning and hearing about a tiny house. How cool is that, man? Y'all are doing a tiny house? That's awesome. That is loving your neighbor because we are neighbors, are we not, with people who ain't got no homes? Are we not neighbors? They live right here. We live right here. This is where we belong. They have rights. They are citizens. They are people who are part of our country. Are they not our neighbors? Absolutely. They're just in a different spot in life. I love that this church has taken that seriously. Start with loving your neighbors. That's what Jesus said. You want to get through this law stuff? You want to figure out, like, what's my scaffolding? What's he talking about? The litmus test, the thermometer on your wall is how you doing at loving your neighbors. Wow. That's it. Wow. Oh, pastor, you don't know my neighbors. I got this guy. He plays his tuba at 3 in the morning. Wakes up the whole block. It's worse than a dog because it's a tuba. Pastor, you don't know my neighbors. I live in a neighborhood where there are a bunch of people who just moved here to this country, and we don't speak the same language. I, I can't communicate with them. Pastor, you don't know my neighbors. We, we have fought. They have built fences. They have thrown their stuff on my yard, and I am so tired of them, and they are on my list of people that do not even get a Christmas card. Okay. It's time to get creative, isn't it? Because the people that I know who I look up to, who are committed to loving their neighbors, they are either very creative or they are looking for opportunities from God that are a lot bigger than their feelings toward their neighbors. Amen? Because yeah. if we just look at our neighbors, it's like, I get this feeling, I don't really like you. That shuts it down, doesn't it? That's our law. I need to feel good in order to be able to do something. Not a good law. Not in the Bible. The people that I admire who are creative, they love their neighbors even through these seasons of difficulty. We've got some friends in our neighborhood they're like, they're like directors on a cruise ship, and their block is the cruise ship. Like, they're coming up with fun stuff to do, and they're having people over. They had people over the other week. They shut down the block. They had a block party. They had a bouncy castle. They had a barbecue. I mean, I wish I could have been there. It sounded like it was a lot of fun. And they had two neighbors talking to one another. I kid you not. And one neighbor says to the other neighbor, hey, which house do you live in? And they go, oh, I'm just up the way. And they go, oh, I'm just over here. Two neighbors, same block. 20 years of being neighbors and they never talked to one another. Wouldn't recognize each other on the street. 20 years of just driving on by. Now, if you're in that spot, don't feel guilty. Just go do something. Go be creative. Go have a meal. Have a block party. I want to tell a story of a woman from our church who took this seriously, who took this love for neighbors seriously. She was driving home in the carpool with her friend, and they drove by these apartments. And you've done this. You drive by the same, the same parts of the city every single time you go to work, right? Like, there's the school, and there's the hospital, and there's the apartments, and there's the Starbucks. Ooh, I need a latte. <laughs> she drove by these apartments, and she saw this little girl. Second grade, third grade, little girl. Standing outside, clearly distraught. Clearly in a place where she just needed someone to come with her. She's not even driving. She tells her call for a buddy, pull over. We are going over there. And they're on their way home. They've driven by a thousand times, but for some reason she was looking. And she starts talking to this little girl, and she says, honey, what's going on? 
And this little girl says, I don't know where my mom and dad are. I came home, the front door was locked. I don't have anybody's numbers. None of my friends are here. I don't know what to do. Church, if we don't feel that, check your pulse. Something's not right. And this friend sat with this little girl. I mean, you can picture her, right? She just, she getting down here like this, saying, honey, what can we do? How can we help you? you can, is there anybody nearby? And she thinks, and she thinks, she can't come up with anybody. So you know what they do? They go down to the fire station, right? Because firefighters are going to know what's going And they walk up to the fire station, and firefighters are there. They talk for a little bit. They say, you know, there's not much we can do right now. Here's a few ideas. Finally, the little girl says, oh, I remember. If I keep going down this street, my friend's house is right over there. And a woman from our church is like, oh, thank God. <laughs> Somewhere for you to go. Walks her there, lets her in. Eventually, she gets back home to be with her family. Friends, that is loving a neighbor in a way that our world needs. Did she have time to do that? She's on her way home. She's tired. She had a full day at work. She had plenty of stuff she needed to do. Maybe she needed to go to the grocery store. But she said, no, right now this neighbor matters more than my convenience. Can we say that, church? This neighbor matters more than my convenience? Do we want that? Do we value that? I got to tell you, I, I value kind of going home, changing my sweats, and being pretty comfortable. But this woman had eyes to see. She had ears to hear. She had a heart that longed to see her neighbor's lives be changed. Don't you think our world needs that. Don't you think our world is so much like that little girl, but it's got a really good mask on? Like it's really covering up how much the world is aching for someone to love and to care for them? And Bethany, I'm so proud of our worship with Paradise. Paradise, I am so proud of y'all for building a tiny house. For loving the folks at Dunlap Elementary School. I'm so proud of y'all for doing that. Keep doing that. That is your home. Now we know the law we studied the law. We've been talking about the law. I want to give us a few very practical things that I want to see out of here. Go to lunch, because lunch smells delicious. <laughs> what do you do? A couple of ideas. Keep studying the law. Like, don't throw the baby out of the bathwater. Go read the Old Testament. Go read the New Testament. Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law. That means we should probably know what he's talking about. So go study the law. Go be in the Bible study that meets here. Go be connected to a Bible study in your community. Get in a small group. Look for the connections between the life that Jesus led, which is what we're aiming at. That is the foundation that will not shake us. That is the firm rock that we need to be building our lives upon. Amen? Go find a way to do that. Learn the words of the law. Pray for those who are responsible for the law in our communities. Every community has a different story in how they relate to the law. In some communities, it's really tough. There's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of pain. And we need to pray for those who are responsible for bringing the law to bear, making sure that our cities and our neighborhoods are places of safety and of love. And we need to pray for those folks because they've got a huge responsibility. We also need to be praying for us who are recipients of the law, who are living under the law, to live in such a way that we honor the people above us even when it's difficult. We need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray for those who are elected officials. We need to pray and ask them to take justice and freedom and mercy and the things that the law is actually supposed to be about. May they take those things seriously. May they take those things to heart. Pray for those in our community who are under the penalty of the law right now. Pray for those who are in jail. Pray for those who are in prisons. 
Pray for those whose lives are kind of just hanging by a thread, waiting to see if they might be able to get out. They might not. They don't really know. Pray for those folks, those families who are so deeply in that. That's their whole world. Lord, have mercy. Lord, bring your mercy to people who are in the midst of the criminal justice system, who are looking for truth and looking for wisdom. And God, bring your renewal. Bring your renewal. Maybe that's what we need to be praying for in such a time as this. What's your version of the law, church? What's the scaffolding you trying to build to get yourself right with God? For me, as I've been thinking about it this week, it all comes back to how do I think other people feel about me? If I think you feel good about me, I feel good about myself. If I think, hey, we can be friends, I might have to have a hard conversation with you, but we're still good afterwards, right? You want to find a more unhealthy fragmented foundation to build your life on. I don't know what else there is besides the approval of other people. You want to build your house on sand? Go build your house on the approval of others. That's my version of the law. What's your version of the law, church? What you need to hold out to God and say, I, this is going to kill me. It's going to make me compromise my values. Maybe it's you in the marketplace and you've got unbelievable competition around you. You've got to deliver, deliver, deliver. It's hyper-competitive and you just need to go, you know what, if this is the law, then I'm called to resist because I don't need to be a part of that. Maybe yours is my kids need to have all the success in the world. Okay, that's a good thing. What does Jesus say about that? And what are you going to do when your kids struggle? Because that foundation that's built on sand, it's right there. Maybe many of us who've been a part of a church a long time, we need to feel like, hey, you know what? I kind of have this figured out. I got, I got this. I got my morals. I got my rules. I got my stuff that I won't do. That makes me right with God, right? No, it doesn't. Why? Because the law doesn't take us far enough, friends. We need grace. And if you're trying to figure out how to land the plane on this, let me just make one final suggestion. Paradise Baptist Church, you have an amazing amount of wisdom in this church. Other Jones, you got a ton of wisdom. There are so many in this community, the motherboard, the deacon board, y'all got wisdom, and the people in this community need to know that it's here. Amen. How are you going to help them know it's here? Can you walk up to a young person and just say, lunch, coffee, let's go. Let's do this. I want to hear your story. Young people, you need to be receptive to this. We need to welcome the invitations from those wiser than us. We need to be willing to get in there and learn from the people who have heard the stories of Jesus and have had their lives changed by Jesus that want so badly for this neighborhood to continue to be in the hands of people who love Jesus. Listen to those older and wiser than you. If we do, if we do, and we'll finish with this, if you know these words, you can say them with me. The great hymn of the church, Be Thou My Vision. This is what we will be able to live like. Thou and thou only, first in my heart, High King of Heaven, my treasure, thou art. That is a life changed by grace, friends. May that be so. A Bethany Community Church may be so. Paradise Baptist Church and the great churches of this city. Join me in prayer. Faithful God.